Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Fat Femme Podcast is a production of iHeartRadio and Dr. John Paul, LLC. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Black Fat Femme Podcast, where all the intersections of identity are celebrated. I am one of your hosts, John, also known as Dr. John Paul. And fish don't fry in the kitchen. Food does not burn on the grill. It took a whole lot of trying just to get <laughs> up that hill. But now we up in the big leagues, and it's our turn at bat. But if put a wood ring, a ring on his feet, you could have had all of that. All the single ladies. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh <laughs> Yes, I, um, if you get that reference, you will know that that is from the Miss Carter tour, uh, Mrs. Carter tour. And for those of you who went to the show, you'll know that during Single Ladies, she cut into that. I, the only reason why I put that in here is because I was recently going through my phone and it came up as kind of like, you know, like when you go back, it'll show you like on this day you were here, I guess a couple of years ago, I was at the Mrs. Carter tour. And so I was like, okay, let me go ahead and rewatch this video. And it has been living in my head literally all (laughs) week. Um, I just have to say that Beyonce was in her bag during that era. I don't care what anybody says. Like, okay. The period. Yes. But the Beyonce era. She was she she was she's in her bag now, but that era was so good to me. It really was. It was like the start of her bag, and it hits different. Like it hits different, right? Because I think that was the moment where like she became Beyonce. Like Mm -hmm. like she like she was always like she was always Beyonce, but like that was when she became Beyonce. And so I feel like the bag is different at that point. You're like, oh, this is like the start of it, but also like, oh, she like she like realizes herself now. She went from a Dooney and Burke bag to a Louis Vuitton bag. You know how she used to. 
the step up. Yes. That's what she And now did. she's a Telfar. Like, yeah. and now she's Telfar. Yeah, she's like, a Telfar. She, you know, she's in all the really expensive ones. The bags yes. that I can't afford yet. But I love that for her. How are you, Queen Joho? How am I today? In the words of my savior, <clears throat> we are so used to getting the crumbs. The when we get the door open, we tiptoe inside. And I said, no, I'm kicking the shit open. Gotta I'm sorry. I'm open. coming in the way that I am. And if y'all don't know, this is reference to Queen Mother herself, Dr. John Paul, who just spoke at the Forbes. One more time. The Forbes Black Summit, baby. I got to give it up for my good sis today. Thank you, baby. Oh, my Thank you God. So much. Yes. I am so proud for you. I'm so inspired by you. I'm so in awe of you. You are fucking amazing. Thank you, baby. Lord Jesus in heaven, our Father, I for Father, what's what's that prayer? Hollow be thy name. Won't won't she do it every day? Jesus, Jesus Christ, <laughs> Jesus yes. Christ. In her name, we say. That's that being said, though, how am I though? You know, I am just chilling, like the villain that I am apparently, because I discovered recently that I am the villain in someone's story. Like yeah. I just, I had recently found out that, and I have this. This is my first time being a villain. I had no idea that it was like this. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't want it. But I have realized that I'm the villain in someone's story. And, you know, I'm just processing that and looking forward to my origin story debut on TV near you. That's all. It'll be in somebody's <laughs> somebody's pilot one day. Somebody will say, you'll look up and it'll be a character. And you're going to be like, oh, so so that's me. And I'm like, me. Yep, somebody wrote that character <laughs> yeah. for you. And that's fine. Just give me royalties. Just give me royalties. Okay. Pay me I equity. And call it today. That. <laughs> I know that's right. Come on, equity. Well, we are back, back, <laughs> black again for another show. Yeah. And I wanted to say before we jump into this show, I know that some of you are probably going to turn on this episode and you're going to go, wait, there is an ally that is in our number three chair this week. And I wanted to make sure that I, I, I had noted that before we get into today's conversation, because with that being said, this episode is coming out during Trans Awareness Week. And I want it to be intentional because I think we've talked about in the past, we've had a lot of conversations in the past about what we, whether it be non-binary, whether it be queer, whether it be, you know, the the, the G and the B and the L in, in the community, what they need to do to support, uh, you know, trans people. And so I actually came across our next guest Online, they were talking very, 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 very openly about the importance of cisgender, you know, straight or cisgender queer individuals who identify as women, um, what they needed to do to speak up for the needs of Black trans women. And so I said, I really wanted to have them on the show so that way we can have this conversation. Because again, we all know that Black trans women are always saying how they can be supported. But I wanted to talk to a Black woman who actually is t doing the work to support Black trans women. So that's what we're going to do on our episode today. Um, I feel like this. there's no better person to have this conversation with beyond her being a movement lawyer and a political commentator and a writer. They are very, very big in the abolitionist space. And I know I've learned a lot from just following them in the last few weeks. I would say, what, a few months, actually. It's been a few months that we've been following each other. And I like to just say that they are a free-ass motherfucker. They're just free. And I mm -hmm. love to see yeah. it. So with that being said, Olayemi Oloren, how are you, hon? Good. I'm good. Thank y'all for having me. I'm so humbled. No, don't be humble. You, you're that bitch. And I love, <laughs> love, love, love following you because like I said, like, even for me following you has been just, it's, it's been really cool to see someone just get it 
And I think that that's what this this conversation is going to be. It's really going to be about talking to you and talking to someone in in. I would like to say that the black community who I feel like I don't have to pull teeth to have conversations about what it truly means mm-hmm. to do accomplished work. And so I'm just really, really grateful that you said yes to coming on the show. Thank you. Listen, anything for you, boo, anytime, anytime <laughs> you want to be, I said, all right, I got you. I live. I live. Yes. Yeah. Eliami, I'm really happy you're here. Cause I feel like when I, John's so much more connected than I am in many spaces. And so when I know that we have guests that I haven't met yet, it gives me a chance to like dive into their work and who they are. And like, just within like the first minute on your website and then reading, reading, like reading the, the, the things you've written, what you've done. I was just like, Oh, I am so, I am so gassed for this, for this guest. So I'm really happy you're here. Mm-hmm. And this week, this week we're going to start off like we typically do by giving Miss Tisha Campbell her flowers with our steely here segment. <laughs> and this, this, this week's question, I want to ask something that is a bit simple, but also a bit complex. So I'll preface mm-hmm. the question first with, we know the personal is political was a phrase coined during the rise of second wave feminism, underscoring that connection between lived experiences and social political structures. Now we know what this is, but I'd love to ask y'all why this is. Why is a personal so political, and how do you balance both when speaking truth to power? I'll kick in some thoughts, then we'll pass to our guests, then we'll pass to John. So, mm-hmm. one thing I think about a lot is like. I imagine it is a tool of white supremacy or a tool of oppression to act as if our structures are separate from us. Right. When it is when it, when it is like us who made structures and us who have to choose whether we're being complicit or not complicit in structures and us mm-hmm. and us who choose how we engage with structures. And so it's an interesting thing for me because when when I when I like why I think about why the personal is political is like because everything is personal everything about our everything about ourselves and our bodies are political like there is like there is not there is not a chance in hell that like I was born John you were born although you were born and like who you were coming to this world first of all first of all like j- just your assigned sex then the, then your ethnicity slash race like and then who you, who you become like there's no way how that those were not inherently political from from jump and i think i think like you know we live in a we live in a world that is so the world like the world itself we, we live in is so complex that mm-hmm. to act as if these systems and structures aren't Aren't, aren't about us. It's 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 it's, it's, it's like a willful ignorance yeah. that I think some people choose to have. Like eat like like it's because they, I say tool of oppression because it's also tool of oppression because those who oppress us like they know the personal is political as well. Like they they know it. They just don't want us to know it, and they act right. as if it's not true to our face. But behind closed doors, it obviously is. And so when I think of like the why and how and how and how you balance both with speaking truth to power, like I think. People like people who have identities like ours. One, we're already in tune to how how things are different. We're already in tune of how we have to shape shift ourselves in different spaces, and that inherently gives us like while 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 it's a well, it's a pain to have to do that. It gives us a power that is really unique to us because, like, white, like a lot of white folks don't have this power. Like, they can't shapeshift themselves. They don't know how to, you know, how to camouflage into different spaces. But like, we inherently do because of who we are and how we are. And so, and so, so when I think of balancing, and maybe I mean, honestly, probably is like maybe probably is like, am I the right person for discussion about balancing? Because I'm not 
good at balancing like burnout. <laughs> I'm not good at balancing, but, but yeah. sometimes in which I am trying to speak to about or, or being personal, personal political, but I'm a Libra, so balance is inherent to my nature, I guess, in some ways. And I think my version of balance is just understanding that like like it is my it is my duty as a person to not like to, to not just work to free myself, but work to free others. And mm-hmm. also, it's my duty. Like the the, the, the there, there's a Jewish teaching that says, "You are not obligated to finish the work, but neither are, neither are you free to desist from it." And mm-hmm. so, it's like my duty to continue doing the work however I can, um, and speaking to the power however I can. And the balance is that is that I know that I don't have to complete the work, but I know that I have to work towards the work. And so I also, yeah, like actually I said to that, well, like that's actually probably where my my balance is. It's not on me to finish it. I want to try. I want to see it finish. And know it's not likely to happen given the, how the world sets, sets, sets against us. But I know that I don't have to and that I can do the work to help get others behind me right. up there ahead right. of me. Yeah. So that's, 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 that's my thoughts. Ola, I'll pass to you. Um. I guess the way I would approach this today, uh, this prompt is, you ever have a friend that you give some advice and your friend doesn't listen to you, they do the opposite or whatever, and it doesn't (laughs) work, and and they end up in a bind and they lie to you about it, and you find (laughs) out and you're like, lying to me about it so that I don't feel like I'm right or whatever it is doesn't change the fact Mm. that you've experienced it. That's kind of how I see the way we as a society engages with the reality that we're all living a very manufactured political experience. Um, mm. And that, and that goes, it's not even just that the person is political, but it's that our existence and the entire society is political. Mm-hmm. The fact that you're, mm-hmm. you're in a civil society with a structure of government and whatever that social contract is, is always, always, always operating on top of you. It always is. I always say that to mm-hmm. people. It's not just, you know, if you end up in the criminal system, but it's down to what you have to go through to get a home. It's the fact that you could call your landlord. The fact that they put a window in your room is because they have an obligation to do it. And in the same way, and that is happening, that 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 is happening whether you choose to engage it or not. And in the same way, mm-hmm. as people, our existence, on so many levels, everybody's person is, is political. Whether you look at it, especially I'm thinking of anybody born today in a world where Roe was just overturned and what anybody who who can get pregnant has to go through or the battles that they're facing in the society and what's going to keep going on, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're, it is, it was political before you got there. The, the process yeah. mm-hmm. that's being engaged yep. in was already political. And so then if you think about it as us and our, our personhood, I always say that to me, and this is kind of how I approach my, my political commentator and all my work is, especially with my show, I find that black people are already having political discussions throughout everything because there's no way to divorce it from the black experience everything about Mm -hmm. blackness is couched in what a larger structure is how Mm -hmm. it's responding to us right like what even down to if me and my boyfriend are going on a road trip how i choose to dress in the car where i'm thinking about police pulling me over you know what i mean what i'm thinking about about if we go out at night or if we do this if you think you're gonna take this kind of stroll so in that way um, it's always that, and we know that, right? We know that in all the different uh, spheres. When we when we think about it, especially if we think about it in relation to what allyship is, right? We know the person is political because there's a reason why we say, "Oh, I need our white allies to speak," because we know when they speak, it's received it's, it's the same mm. message is received entirely different, depending mm-hmm. on who's saying it, because the person is political. How you say it as as a man versus as a woman, as a non-binary person, as a black person, as this, all these things transform literally just based on who's saying it or who's doing it. So that that is how I look at it, is that the person is political for, for all of us. Yeah. I 
so yes to both of your points. I love that. And I've been sitting with this, right? Because, you know, I think the thing that I'm hearing so much between the two of you um, is that there is the personal is political. It's because being just alive is a political thing, right? And I think about oftentimes have like, even if we don't, you know, there's some people who are like, oh, I don't want to make this political. And it's like, baby, it's already political because it's been this way since like the inception of time, right? Like when you really think about the way, even just the way that America, how America was founded, right? In the ways mm-hmm. that it was founded and who who has been impacted by by that. That still is, it, there's still a political element. And so I love this this question. Um, you know, I made a note. I said, y'all are cooking today, honey, because, you know, when you, <laughs> when you coming out the gate hot, um, it, 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 it's a thing that a lot of people don't like talking about. You know, I hear people say this all the time. Well, I don't want to talk about politics. And I've said that just me being black fat and opals, me being black and fat and being okay with that is political. Me being black fat and openly queer is political and being black fat femme and open about it to the world is, is inherently political, mm-hmm. right? There, yes. There's no way I can get away from that. And so the personal is political for me because it's who I've always been and it's it's who I who I choose to be, right? It's who I openly mm-hmm. decide to, to it's, it's what I openly decide to give to the world. It's so interesting too, because it's like, I spend a lot of time talking about this with my therapist these days, you know, really talking about what it means to be not only just marginalized, but minoritized in so many different spaces. And then this notion of how I'm still fighting to find joy throughout this experience that I'm having and how that joy is political, right? So the the thought of being Black and laughing with a whole bunch of Black people, how that's a political thing, right? Going out to dinner and, and patronizing and intentionally saying, I'm going to a Black restaurant. Today I was leaving, you know, as, as you said earlier, again, thank you for the shout out. You know, I I'm, I'm leaving the Forbes conference and they have a Forbes market and I see a black girl who stops to talk to me. And then I find out that she is a black woman. I don't say black girl. She's a black woman with a black business and she's selling this really beautiful smelling perfume. My choice in that moment was I could have easily said, okay, girl, well, it's nice to meet you. But I intentionally made a decision to say, girl, take my $40, right? Like I want you to have this money because not only did you come up to me and have a conversation with me, but I'm making the political statement of, I want to make sure that this black coin that I just got from Forbes is going back into your pocket too. Like I want to make sure that I'm so, so all of that is inherently a political statement. And I I think, you know, when you exist, I, I guess my point in all of this before, we get out of here, I get out of the segment is to exist loudly in any space these days mm-hmm. is inherently political. Absolutely. To really say that we are going to speak true to power. And this is, you know, shout out to the new listeners. We've got, you know, a lot of folks who've been with us since day one. We have folks that are probably tuning in for the first time this week. You know, we we inherently and, and, and it can get scary. I'll be honest and say, you know, I, I think about this a, a, a lot, <laughs> being that we're on episode 71, or we're 70 going into episode 71. I've been thinking, you know, I, I worry sometimes, when are we going to get so political that someone says we have to pull the plug, right? Because this show isn't mm. your traditional podcasting mm. show. 
It's not mm-hmm. two white men talking about cereal, right? And so, no shade to the, to the people who do talk about cereal, but cereal. what I'm saying is, <laughs> we have a lot of hot topics on the show that we that we've touched, and so, and it's on a really big network, and so that sometimes can be a very heavy axe to to, to carry, um, and mm-hmm. we do it. But in so many words, you know, I I just really wanted to say that I think this is also a, a part of this show and a part of what we're creating Joho and, you know, only what we're bringing you into is this world of telling people that they have the right to thrive and the right to be who they are and the right to speak and say things that could quote unquote be considered yeah. political and mean it, you know, really, really, truly mean it. So. Yeah. Oof, agreed. And just, just one last thing before I take us to break. Cause I mm-hmm. think what, what I often go back to is this thought, just what you said earlier about people would say, I don't want to make it political or I don't want to be political. And what I have to go back to is like, okay, you don't have to be, but the choice will be made for you. Like if well, you are political, the, but like, like the, 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 the politics will come and get you that. Oh. And you like, like, this is a choice we, we can make. Like we have a choice to engage or not. And if you don't want to engage, you ain't got to, but like, when they don't come for you, you're going to be like, gone, girl. Don't be mad like, oh, when I should, have, I should have been political. And it's like, mm-hmm. yes, this, that's why we out here fighting and marching these streets and writing these articles and having these conversations, whether they're publicly, whether they're online, whether they're offline. Like, this is why we're doing this because we know that if we don't make the choices ourselves, it'll be made for us. And that's it. I'm not trying to have someone make my choices for me. So I know that's right. That, that being said, speaking of political... This week we are celebrating Trans Awareness Week. When we get back, we're going to talk. We're going to do to talk more about the ways we can up with the trans community both during this week, but also always because we about that shit on this show. We will be black in just a second. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Mother's Day is right around the corner. And in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. 
drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, y'all. So we are back uh, with our, our segment for this week. We're talking trans visibility and what it means to be a, what I like to say, a ally and accomplice. And we've we touched on this episode topic a few times, but we really have not kind of gotten into the meet with someone who identifies as a true ally. And so um, what I really wanted to kind of say is, you know, I know that my biggest thing for me was that Ole not only could add a whole bunch of seasoning to this conversation, but I also wanted to like, really bring in somebody who I can actually see who's doing the work. Um, And so before we kind of jump into it, you know, me being non-binary, I spent a lot of time telling cisgender people what they need to do to better support trans people overall. And then I thought, let's not have another trans person come onto this conversation or come onto the show for this week and just preach about all of the stuff that we always hear from trans people. I figured it was time for us to have a cisgender person to have a on the show to have a deeper conversation about cisgender privilege and what we all could be doing to uplift the trans community the trans community so i guess the thing that has made me love you in the year it's actually been a year that i've been following you is your deep respect and love for trans women and so before we kind of get into like the work per se ole i wanted to ask you like can we talk or can you tell us a little bit more about what it means to protect trans women for you and why that's so important before we get into like the work you know you know what's interesting um and i and i you know what's interesting? I never once identified myself as a trans ally. I feel like that was chose that was decided uh, yeah. by the trans community, and I think that taught me mm. something about allyship. I was never even trying to figure out because I feel like usually the conversations around being an ally are usually very white centered. It's usually white yeah. people ch- complaining to us that we don't rightly identify them as allies or for whatever reason. <laughs> It's so true. It's so true. That's all you yeah. really ever hear about it is like white people self-identifying as an ally and being mad that they don't feel like that's being greeted with the right amount of respect. I want um, my cookies. Where are my cookies? Yes. My yes. Like, I went I to six protests. I yeah. reposted 200 pages. You know, yes. Where are my cookies? Yeah. And so <laughs> the, the, 
the trans community decided that. And I think what that taught me about allyship is that it isn't for you to decide. You don't self-identify yeah. or appoint yourself as an ally. It is about your your actions. It's about what you do and how you show up and whether or not that community feels like you're an ally or feels supported by, um, by you. I think I think that's pretty similar to love, too. It's something I've been, you know, exploring mm. um, with how to treat black men in terms of my clients. Because I once had a, mm. a black man yell at me that, uh, and it was very important. He was cursing me out. Um, but I remember feeling like, wait, if you just be quiet, I will tell you I have the answer to your problems. I know it. And he was like, and he said something that really stuck with me. It was like, how do you know what the answer to my problems is if you aren't listening to me? And that made mm. me explore. And I remember feeling like, well, it's because, you know, what my intentions and and where and how I feel mm -hmm. and what I, why I think I'm showing up for you as someone who loves the black man. And I was like, well, do I love you if you don't feel loved by me? And yeah. I think Ooh. that's really how I've um, been thinking of mm. allyship. And and the way that really came about and how I showed up was honestly, the sky is blue, grass is green. I drink water, two plus two equals four. That's what it, it has always <laughs> felt like. I, I swear to you, that's what it's Tell always this. felt like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I am saying the most baseline things. Anytime I have ever gone viral for, you know, defending the trans community, it's always like I'm in a room and people are just being so insanely bigoted that even even a diet mm. bigot should have to oppose this. You know what I'm saying? Right, I, right, yeah. It's as simple as seeing that, recognizing that here are people, literally people, just like the People, I don't even feel the differentiation that we, we we make because I don't see what makes a trans person any different than me than a white person or, you know what I mean, a non-black person or an American person to me as an immigrant, right? I see them as people and equal in all of the same other ways. So I don't see any difference. And I recognize the level of switch up and the level of dehumanization that happens when people start talking about trans people. And what I realized why it was so extreme, because it's not like the places I've gone viral are progressive news places where if you've seen me on the news mm. outlets that I'm challenging these things. And I realized that they, as crazy and as regressive and as right-wing as these outlets are, they don't talk about black people this way to me. They don't talk about immigrants this way to me. They don't talk about women this way to me. But they're talking about trans people in this insane 2003 way. And I realized that the reason is because there's no trans people at the table. And that's mm -hmm. what I realized. I was like, the reason why everybody feels so com comfortable for this like insanely, obviously bigoted, regressive language is because it's usually trans people are the only people left who are not at the table to say nothing. And it's this yeah. assumption. It's the same assumption that, you know, you ever watch a movie and like the white progressive is like shocked when the white racist starts saying stuff to them that are racist because they assume, oh, we're all white. And I think that's what I realized is like, anytime I'm in a room and they go, we're all sis, let's start talking crazy. And I'm like, what? Whoa, what's yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that's honestly, I don't even, con I, I don't really even consider it uh, me deciding I'm an ally, ally or trying to champion or where it comes from. I think it is me extending to the trans community the same level of advocacy and humanity and compassion I, com I extend to everything else. It is moral consistency. <laughs> yes. Moral I'm, consistency. Moral Come consistency. like, Okay, so now we have an episode oh, title. Right Go ahead. That's that's a word right there. I was like, oh, that's a, because it's so it's so true because I we like people. I think there are those that want the label of ally. There were those mm -hmm. who want the label of advocate. There are those who want the label 
And in some ways, like I like I understand like the, like if you do the work, you want the label, but then it makes you think of, but do you do the work for the label or do you do the work because you believe in the work? And so I, I really love that you said more it. more consistency because it's making me think like oh like like what I'm hearing from you is someone who does the work because you believe in the work and you do the work because you believe that people inherently deserve the same amount of, 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 of work for them as, as, as like, like, like as you want for yourself. And that is just so, so special to hear. It's a refreshing to hear, um, especially from, to your point, from a, from a, from a, from a, uh, from a, uh, what's the, what's, what's the word? Like for a, for a de- designated ally that you didn't choose to be designated as, but we had designated you as such. <laughs> like, so thank we you. Thank you. Thank you. So upon you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But, and I'm, uh, bestow, and I'm honored. Bestow an ally. <laughs> We mother ally, house of allyship. Yes, yes, that house of allyship. Yes, bitch. I like that. that's also I like a that. title. House of allyship. I'm curious to ask you your thoughts because I want I want to get in. I want to get into your profession to to, to what we'll have your professions a bit. From a legal perspective, mm. what would it take for us to implement laws and policies that explicitly protect trans folks? And what I mean by that is, you know, like, 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 you know, we have, we have, we have laws and policies depending on state and some cases federal level that are intentionally vague because I'm saying that most laws are intentionally vague; they don't actually want to be specific because they may have a lot of, lot of interpretation there. But in the sense of, it talks about like, like. Right, like right to privacy, how that could be translated into, into um, like medical access and, and like medical access and care in transitioning, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. It, can act, it can act, it can turn to like get, but to change your gender marker on your license. But like, how do we implement laws and policies that explicitly protect trans folks? And for six, and like for six, for cis folks who are in decision making positions, how can they create environments where trans folks can thrive? So I think. I think as far as legislatively, obviously, I think the the trans community needs to be not just recognized as a protected class, but to be recognized as a priority in this current in this current um, climate. If you see, listen, in the last two years, they've passed more anti-trans laws than ever before in U.S. history. And I think that's Mm -hmm. important to recognize that it's not just um, the lack of protection. It's not just that oh, there aren't these protections in place and then so then bad things are happening to trans people. No, it's a force actively going out of their way to create new mm-hmm. means and new uh, new um, new ways to target the trans community. And I think that in order for us to see, a, I think to see a change in that and to see this deliberate kind of attack on the trans community, we have to, I mean, one, it has to be political education, political advocacy, right? Things have to change in terms of who who is talking about it, what the representation is. Trans people have to be invited to get a seat at the table and to be able to be heard. Because I think that, listen, when I was growing up, I feel like, not I feel like, we know how rampant, and we know homophobia is wild to this day, right? But we know that there's a different world of homophobia that it was growing up when I was growing up when I was in high school, like even when I was in college versus now. And what has changed a lot of that, there are a lot of people that are now, it seems they're like, they won't even entertain you when you explain to them that gay marriage is on the chopping block, which it is, by the way, which it is. Mm-hmm. But they mm-hmm. don't even, they find that absurd because that seems so normal and so what 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 that's so ridiculous that's so far of a regressive idea but they don't know the the amount of shift in movements that had to change and how often and how much we saw uh lgbtq representation how much these different things were talked about and i mm-hmm. think in order for us to see a shift in how comfortable people because a lot of this is comfort the reason i don't think the reason why you see so much attack on the trans community has 
less to do with this any specific hatred towards the trans community and what they think they can get away with and what transphobia is an arm of. Because transphobia is an arm of white supremacy, this level of marginalizing yeah. people and going after uh, uh, marginalized people. But the other marginalized groups have a seat at the table. They're, they're, they have way more ability. We have way more ability to protect and defend ourselves. So the trans community is an open, is just an open gate for them to say, ah, okay, you're going to stop me from doing that. But while you're allowing me, because what happens is a lot of people a lot of groups that would traditionally oppose these kind of right-wing forces, and it's not just the right-wing um, peddling and transphobia, but that's who's doing it on a legislative level. There are a lot of people and a lot of groups that would oppose them outright normally till they get to some transphobia. You know what I mean? That's what's mm-hmm. left. And suddenly they couch it in all these other ideals and all these morals. And then that allows you give people, you give them an inch and then they take a mile and now we're all affected. So I think mm-hmm. one of the first things we need to do is, change one give the trans community more access there has to be more it's insufficient for for us just to talk about everybody's talking about trans people everybody is talking about trans issues but nobody is talking to trans people nobody is actually reading about trans issues or from trans scholars from themselves you know they are just weaponizing a community and their issues and completely misrepresenting and mischaracterizing that community and their issues to the populace in order to justify and do bigotry they were already engaged in so i think what we have to do i think as people like me, I think cis people who have a platform, I think we have to recognize the privilege in that there are people who would never get, even if I'm just saying one quarter of what a trans, and oh, shoot, a quarter is being generous. If I'm just saying <laughs> one eighteenth of what the actual trans advocates like Hope Giselle and people that people should go and follow mm-hmm. are saying, mm-hmm. there are a bunch of people whose preconceived notions and, and bigotries are going to prevent them from clicking on a Hope Giselle video, but they already follow me and they're partial to me. So they might hear it from me if they mm-hmm. follow me or they hear it from a cis person or if they're presented it or if a cis person that they like platforms and presents trans people that they might not have listened to. Like, I know all kind of people who told me uh who who i know that are not nobody's allies told me oh they watched my laverne cox interview and they're like wow i couldn't even like that taught me a lot that changed a lot of my positions and i'm from the caribbean so when i know people who are not allies i mean they're not allies baby and they were incredibly moved by that so i i think it's incumbent upon that for us to do to do the work that we know and I think I think what's important is that we know what we need to do because we know what we need to do when it comes to any of the issues that we care about. Right. I always I always mm. think about that is people know how hard they want me to go when it's for black issues. And when I say black, I mean, their version of black that excludes yes. multiple yes. different kinds of black people. Mm. Right. They know mm-hmm. what they want from me when they want yep. me to advocate for the things that mean from th- that mean something to them. And they know why they think that's impactful and they know that why they think that's powerful and why they don't want me to do it for the trans community. And so to me. That same level of work and the way we show up and the way you feel the need to make your voice heard is exactly what we need to do for the trans community. Yeah. I, oh, I, oh, I, oh my, I, that is why I fucks with you so hard. I fucks with you so hard because I genuinely wish that more people saw it the way that you see that, that you see it. And what mm. I, what I love that you mentioned, you know, when you're talking about why do people go after trans people, there is this conversation that everyone seems to be forgetting. And this is something that I keep reiterating to people when I'm in different spaces, I keep telling them they are setting up the platform. They are setting up 
they're 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 setting up basically their court so they can start coming after us again mm. they, and they're still coming mm. for us right we already know that they're working in the background to, to to take our rights away and to do all of these different things right whether it be not giving us jobs not giving us equitable health care not giving us access to a b c or d but what i'm saying is is that they want to do it from a law standpoint and so it's easy to go after trans people because like you said they don't have the resources that the black community has right we have black lawyers we have black people in political positions, mayors. We, I mean, we had a black president. And although I would say that there are a lot of people who critique that black president, um, I would, I would, I would go off to say, right. Like we, we, there are still not enough trans people, specifically but, black trans people in positions of power. Go ahead. And, and, and think about that black president, right? Because I remember when Obama decided not, and we're not, I'm not giving this any credit on based on genuine desires from the heart, right? We all know right, why right. political motivations, but we know <laughs> when Obama decided he was going to become progressive on the issue of gay rights and gay marriage. Do you know how many old black people I know who would have been against that who started twisting their mind into knots to be able to come out on the side of why that made sense? And now today, listen, my daddy ain't nobody's progressive. I remember when I grew up, my daddy was not in any way a champion of gay marriage or gay rights. And now today, my daddy be looking at people with the side eye if he had him yeah. saying anything because mm. it because it does matter the reality is it, it does matter who our who our leaders and the people we respect as intellectuals say it does and i and i always try to think about that from the perspective of my own arrogance uh, <laughs> in the <laughs> sense that you know i'm not somebody who is easily convinced of things or you know i go into everything willing to listen to everybody and i didn't always have the views that i have i got these right. views because i read because people informed me and people who i thought were smart said different things like on a, on a multitude of different levels even when you just think about where mm -hmm. you start to think of an issue differently is because somebody you respected might have said maybe you should look into think that a little bit this. more maybe yeah, you should think yeah. something so i think it's incumbent upon us to do that and recognize that it doesn't happen overnight you don't know when that shift people were fighting tooth and nail to get you to even consider you know gay marriage and these things yeah. once upon a time ago that'll change if you see more people start speaking up in in, mm -hmm. in support of trans people and in, and also just in support of understanding that blackness cannot just be cis black people or the black people you like or the black christians or the black partial or we have to stop doing that and start and also recognize that i think the black erasure from the trans uh, conversation is intentional it's incredibly mm -hmm. intentional that mm -hmm. i think it is not lost upon me and how the trans trans issues are painted like a white issue in the yeah. media and mm. Yes, there is an intentional mm -hmm. erasure there, but and this and why I specifically champion for Black women so much. Not only I mean I'm a woman, and Black women, like Black trans women, are my sisters. I mean, who, like, and I know the experience of a Black woman and how hard that is in this society. Let alone, listen, people can feel as mad as they want. I have had the amount of cis Black women who call me everything but a child of God in the internet for <laughs> talking. Uh, <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> Yeah. I'm, I'm telling you, but speaking up for black trans women is wild. Right. But I'm like, listen, I'm not interested in winning anybody's oppression Olympics that anybody's having or why mm. their 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 identity or their sense of womanhood is based in oppression and periods and all kind of foolishness. This is what I know. I know that I black trans women are don't don't even be at the table with me to even receive the certain kind of negative treatment that you receive as a black woman in the room. They're not even there to get that treatment. Get They're being that. talked yep. about crazy in the room that I'm at. And then on top of that, I know I listen, black trans people in, exist in black communities. 
They exist with other black people. Their families are black people. Their neighbors are black people. They're in community with black people, which means they're dealing with black people. So if I as a cis black person know a cis black woman knows you gonna talk about me crazy, disrespect the F out of me, harass me and treat me like absolutely shit just because I happen to have some compassion for a black trans woman. You think that you could convince me that the black trans woman don't have a harder time than me? Right. How could you ever convince me of that? How could you convince me that? I have a harder day than my regular days just when I acknowledge black trans women. Anytime you make one video or anything supporting black trans women and they talking about my mama, my Nigerian lineage, my island, and my and my cat for months. Just (laughs) (laughs) for months. (laughs) No, my cat's like, why am I in this? Why am I in it? Why am I I swear to you? Talk about my cat so bad. Talk about it yeah. bad. Ooh, that's why you with this fat cat. This fat. They call my cat fat. I was like, no, why would you do that? To, why would you disrespect him? <laughs> like, why would you subject my cat to this bad phobia? <laughs> right. 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 So for me, that's really important. That's really important. We have to, we have to, we have to center that in the conversation a lot. Mm-hmm. I, you know, so again, just every, just thank you for saying a lot of what you've already said, but I think it's, it's imperative for me to say. And again, I also want to make sure that this isn't a performative, like, thank you. Like this is, this is, you know, you making the point about, you know, black trans women not being there or even non-binary people not being there. And you saying, I know that they're having a harder day. I think these are the things that we often remiss in our conversations. And I think that's why I'm so intentional Mm -hmm. about always positioning myself, even with my non-binariness to say, I have to speak up about trans issues because regardless of how I, like I have a platform, regardless of how the size of it, my platform is helping build the, like it's opening spaces up and it's opening minds and people are listening to me about these issues. And so I love that you mentioned that. I think one of the things that I, I wanted to ask you, you know, in, in, in paradigm, and it's connected to this, you know, we, we, we had, we had jumped into each other's DMs when we were talking about that unfunny and uh, that unfunny comedian um, that <laughs> was talking about trans women a couple of months ago. And I think yes. it's important for us to kind of name, and this is something that I don't hear. I think this is what oftentimes, you know, so like, I know that, you know, we, we throw out, we say, oh, this is a really good advocate and this is a really good, you know, accomplice or this person's doing allyship in a great way, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we clap, 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 clap. But I think that we don't talk about, and this is something that I saw that you did. And that's what made me really truly say, I want this person on the show is that you intentionally named the ways that cis women, specifically black women, how they are a part of perpetuating the stigma and the transphobia that black trans women face. And so I wanted to specifically get your voice in on this to say that we've been able to to have it. You know, I wanted to ask you directly to say like, why is it, you know, you said I've done, I've done reading and I've changed my mind and I've done the work, right? Like why is it so important for cis people, specifically cis black women to be careful, not only about the things that they say, but specifically about the unlearning part? Because that's what I hear. I hear you saying my platform is teaching people to unlearn the toxic shit that they've taken in about the queer community and the, the, and black trans women. So why is that so important to you? I think, and I think this is probably the best way, if I'm speaking to to the black community on this issue, the best way I could probably relay this. 
Derek Bell has a book called Faces at the Bottom of the Well, where he talks about a thing called rules of racial standing. And it's a site, he specifically the rule I always cite to, he talks about the way black people are not credited as experts on our experiences on anything unless we are speaking against the black community, unless we are parroting the, the oh, talking man. point of whoever opposes us, unless we are willing to put ourselves out as the person who, who will... Um, go against whatever the collective opinion are. We, we know what we call those people, right? We, we know who they are. I'm sure the faces came to mind and we know why they bother us so much. They anger us so much. The the Candace Owens, the Clarence Thomases, the, uh, all these people upset us because what they do is they allow, they allow non-Black people to say, mm-hmm. hey, to, to, to legitimize their racist white supremacist point. and, and yep. talking points by saying that a Black person, a hair, mm-hmm. sees this Black person, believes it and thinks it. So the same thing is true if if... As especially in the case of let me think about black trans women, because that's who I'm always really um, thinking about and centering in my personal advocacy. If I as a black cis woman, if people use me because that's what they do, they use this idea when you see the fucking bigots and the fucking red pill dudes um, who, who do not hate women. Fucking hate women. Goddamn hate women. All they do is fucking express their hatred of women in every which way, shape, or form they can. Now, all of a fucking sudden, they see a trans woman and now they they the champion of women's rights. Oh, you know, that's a daily <laughs> You know, they always do it. Suddenly, suddenly they're like, oh, look at these women trying to take your spot as women. They da 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 and all this bullshit, right? That's what they try to do. They try to say, oh, black women, look at they, they they play on your emotions, right? They play on your passions on what it rouses you up right so as black women who already feel if you think um the malcolm x quote of being the most disrespected uh dis- disrespected unloved p- people in america if black women already feel that and then they're allowed to be preyed on preyed essentially of your emotions and your passions preyed on by black men not all black men obviously i'm talking about a specific a specific quadrant of red yeah. niggas that do this foolishness um <laughs> like they're preying on on the ways in which you the already feel oh, yes, yes, yes 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 i, I exactly. named it i named it honey the whole if they prey on that <laughs> they prey on that and they exploit how they exploit the fact that you already feel you know forsaken or not appreciated mm-hmm. by this community mm-hmm. or by black men and they let you feel like these people are a threat to you they're a threat to your womanhood so then black women who have always been diva cis black women who've always felt and have been devalued in a society that has never looked at you as lady has never afforded you the class status um or the womanhood associated with that it's easy to go and you know address you to punch down to go and go get mad over there and if you do Mm -hmm. that then these people who are just bigots they're just fucking bigots they hate marginalized they hate other and they will just you know jump on whoever is the most marginalized and other in that particular setting so they're gonna let your black ass as a cis woman rock this time because they're going for the trans black women you know and then you helping them do that you help them do that and then they turn around and use it against you and that's why and they write back to you and that and that's why and something i want to say to black Mm -hmm. women who do that especially like fellow dark-skinned black women like myself is you've always had the black woman is always been excluded from the things that you the the definitions of womanhood right like we've never been considered the beauty standard we've never been considered beautiful we've never been treated as desirable in fact we're probably statistically the least desirable in so many respects right in terms of how we are we are uh uh we are gone after how we are unmarried, all these different things that people talk about in society to use and weaponize against the black, uh, the black woman. So 
if that is already what's happening to you, uh, that has already been our experience and they've already made us masculine, right? The black woman has always been portrayed like that. Like we run these households, we beat on the man, we, 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 you know, they make us out to be, to be undesirable, unattractive. And that's what they do. And that doesn't, you turning around and trying to uh, be prejudiced towards trans women and then and enforce these gender binaries and enforce these desirability politics and enforce these beauty standards and all this shit that was already designed and has always excluded you. What do you think happens now? And that's why you mm-hmm. see so many cis black women being prevented from competing and they and they out here using all these different standards that you have fucking enabled because yeah. you want to be a transphobic, a transphobic bigoted bitch and now they're using it towards you. Okay, so I try to say to people sometimes it's like, you can pick which one for me. Either way, it leads to a road of having. Not to cut you on a roll, and I love it. But can we just name you said a transphobic bigoted bitch? Yes, <laughs> nah, honey. I was like, stop. But I just need to pause. Yes, I just need to say it. I just had to say it. But go bigoted on. Bitch. I'm sorry. So I can tell you. I'm sorry. Go <laughs> on. I'm confused. I Yes, no, no. And so for me, I I always try to, to me, you could choose two roads, right? And they all lead back to having to be an ally and to care about other people. Whether it be that you care about other people just innately because you want for, you should want for other people as much as you want for yourself. Or if you just want to practice a politics of selfishness, either one requires you to show up for (laughs) trans women. Because as a black woman, and listen, even if I didn't give a fuck, even if in my heart, I had Mm -hmm. no compassion for my, for my trans women, for the trans community, they gonna get my ass off of the stuff that they go into. If I enable them, if I give them the tools to oppress trans women, especially to oppress trans black women, they, those are the same tools they've been pressing me with and I didn't help them sharpen them not and help them get them bigger not and help yeah. more people justify Ooh. it as not being bigoted and that's what that is the problem if you enable people and you give them the rationale to say that this thing is not transphobic or it's not bigoted or it's not white supremacy well then what, what happens when they use it against you mm-hmm. and they will and then they, they will because they don't like your black ass mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I live I oh live my God. That was like, like I like I want to like I I want like take that like ten minute segment of just of just everything you just dropped and just like put that everywhere because truly <laughs> that was like, whew, thank you thank you thank you so so much I'm like trying to breathe it in I, it's also special because I think to the point to the point that John made earlier about like like, like having an ally on the show. This time, like, 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 versus having having a trans person come and like do more labor to like to like to, to like teach the teach the broader world about how like how to treat them. What you're demonstrating is like is like pure advocacy and accomplishment, like in action, and like 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 it's like you like you aren't just like demonstrating that, but you're also like giving people the tools to do the same thing. Like our listeners now have have I mean, listeners, if you listen to this, and you don't have the tools, girl, you're not listening. <laughs> like you need to be <laughs> listening because like because. Always giving you the tools to like be who you say you want to be in this fight. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Mm-hmm. I think before before we did about the segment, I would, I want to ask you something that I think really like might add a nice bow to to this topic. I know it might seem like you were doing quote unquote the work, um, but some like some folks might be afraid to stand up for trans women as cis people. Because they're afraid that doing so might put them in danger, which is something that we're seeing a lot in a lot of different ways. People have, there's a, a fear to to speak up or post or take action because of danger themselves. I'm curious, as just to, just a detail of what what you just shared, like what words might you offer to those who carry this fear? 
So I've been thinking, uh, I've been thinking about this a lot. And I think about this a, a lot in a lot of different contexts. I was writing about it last night with, with respect to, to Palestine. I think my, mm. my general thought process when it comes to being an advocate for yourself, right. And in terms of a black person and, and the advocacy that they see as representative of their life experience, I, I think the black experience is political. I think black people do not get to, you know, the thing about being an ally with certain, with, with, with being an ally, when you're an ally to other people is you're getting to tap in. You get the option to opt in or opt out. But the people who you are being an ally to, that is their experience. That is the experience that is their community and they will live that regardless. Like whether a trans, there's not lost upon me and I'm sure upon all of us that whenever a trans person speaks, period, they call them a fucking trans activist. Meanwhile, they're just a per- just a trans person did not declare themselves an activist. Ain't nobody's I've never called myself an activist. And yet, we love Dr. Joe Ball. They're an activist. I'm not an activist. I just (laughs) just want to be fucking free. That's all I want. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly, right? Like, your your experiences is is that. And so when it came to, when people used to ask me how I felt about, like, why I became a public defender and all these different things or general black advocacy, I always said I didn't feel as though black people other black people should feel obligated to have to to have to do that. You have to spend your entire rest of your life being black. It is fucking exhausting, you know, mm-hmm. and having that reality of going out and being changed from whoever you were as an individual to now a black person and to fight your day on that level. But as it comes, to, so I will never put that on anybody or obligate or judge right. anybody for feeling like they don't want to opt into that. I think, listen, I think it's revolutionary. Rest is revolutionary. Deciding you want to go be happy and live that regular existence. It is, right? There's a reason why we all love that insecure is so black without ever having the black issues that are considered that you know what i mean even though always being black and having that political experience because blackness is but when it comes to other Mm. people in other communities here's what i think you know i think it's um you know the saying if if you're silent about your pain they'll kill you and they say they'll say you enjoyed it and the thing that i am thinking about more especially in respect to palestine but this is applicable um for the trans community and any community that you want to be an ally for that you see as being oppressed and marginalized is and i think is a more dangerous iteration is being silent about your neighbor's pain gives enables them to be killed and for them to say you enjoyed it for them to not expect you to object right there's a reason why they feel so comfortable passing as many laws and going after the trans community in these loud targeted ways because they expect us to be cool with it they expect us to either applaud it or to be silent and i think that's what's dangerous so for me Mm. i it goes back to what we said at the very beginning right is like you regardless of what you want, you could say you want to opt in. You could say you want to opt out. You could feel afraid. You could do this, but danger will come to your front door regardless, because if they come for you in the morning, you know what I mean? They come for you in the morning. They come come for me at night for you in the night. Amen. Amen. Right. So Mm -hmm. I rather tap in at a, I rather tap in earlier where I can increase the chances of all of our survival than try to avoid the glooming problem, like ever looming problem right over us. And then I want to, I want to get involved at the ninth minute when, when all my neighbors have been killed and they about to get me. Exactly. So for me, to me, it's, you don't have the choice you think you have. That's what I think. I think you're not wrong. If you're a person who feels like there's danger that comes that comes with being an advocate, absolutely. But there's danger that comes with these experiences in the time that we're living in, period. And it's coming for mm-hmm. you re- whether or not you want to fight it or not. I know that's mm. right. Yeah. I, mm. I, you can't, I think that that's the thing that, you know, I've been really sitting with. And, you know, I know we need to go to commercial, but what I will say before we head to commercial is I think it's really imperative for folks to sit back and think about, you know, this notion of, you know, I don't want to say anything because it's going to put me in danger. 
I will say that we're all in danger. And when I say all, I say anybody who is marginalized in any type of way, right? If you are white and queer, you're in danger. If you are a white woman and queer, you're in danger. If you are a white trans woman, you're in danger. If you're Latin, you're Latinx and you're queer and you know, you're poor, you're in danger. Like we're all, even if we, we, we think, oh, I, you know, I don't want to lose the comfort I have. Capitalism and white supremacy loves to hold this thing over our heads that you're comfortable. And I, I know this myself, you know, I'm always kind of waiting because I know the trajectory and I know the history. I'm always waiting till that rug gets pulled from even under me, right? You know, this notion of, of success, right? I'm always waiting to kind of see when white supremacy is going to reel its ugly head towards me. And so I, I, I think that that's the thing I've, I've really loved this segment because you really put into so many, and you, you drop so many great gems, but you really hit something on the head that I don't think that enough of us are talking about, you know, from Palestine to even just what's happening in our own backyard. You know, I, I live in the IE, and if you don't know anything about the LNA, empire, the Inland Empire, they're passing policies left and right to, to, to try to out children. And so with that yeah. being said, right, like there are people who are in danger that are literally living across the street from you. There are people who are in danger that literally live down the street from you. So we are all in danger, even if we're not talking about quote unquote danger. And I think that's what this conversation is about. Um, thank you so much. And I, I love that you're going to you're going to stick with us, because when we get to um, our next segment, we're going to talk a little bit more about this. And so with that being said, we're going to take a break to pay the piper. But when we get back, we're going to continue this amazing conversation about how do we continue to support the trans community, not only just this week, but overall, we'll be back in a sec. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection, obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where... A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. 
I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle. And I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, y'all. So this week we are focusing on how you healing. And I wanted to ask y'all, y'all is in, y'all is in John and LA, not y'all is y'all listening. <laughs> I mean, unless, unless you want to send us... The emails, obviously, you can connect with us that way too. Yeah. But did y'all know that there is a new-ish idea floating around there about how to discuss trans issues? Did you know? If not, I'm going to just tell you right now. <laughs> okay. And then John's like, uh, maybe so. Yeah, well, I mean, girl. I put the show flow together, so yes, I know about it. <laughs> Damn, John. I'm trying. <laughs> how do you out me like this? Go how do you out me like this? I know. I know. I just play along with it. Damn. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Your listeners, John did know about the difference, the the the, the newish idea floating around because John did put this in here. <laughs> now I look like a fool. There's a difference <laughs> though. For those who don't know, for those who don't know, there's a difference between transphobia and transmisia. That's that right? Is, is it is it transmisia? Transmisia, yes. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whew, girl, I was like, learn me something today. Uh, and we don't this. often spend time enough time discussing the latter. So, busted. If we really look at the term transphobia, it is known for the idea of being afraid of transgender people, but it isn't always the best way or most accurate accurate way to talk about oppression, mainly because phobias are often real and high-key rude to those who have real phobias. Like when you say transphobia, it's like, girl, it's actually not a real phobia. Because if you have <laughs> hemophobia, fear of blood, or right. fear of needles, that's that, that's some real shit right there. But right, if you right. transphobia, girl, you ain't scared, you just hateful. So <laughs> sounds like like individual condition and downplays institutions that harm trans and non-binary people. So what we have to talk about today is transmisia, trans being trans folks, and misia being the hatred that the the condition of hatred of and hatred that we are taught to give trans people. So that being said, what are your thoughts on adding this to your lexicon? Do you would you use this in your daily life? Do you have some type of way about it? Mm. I'll say for myself, like I I I was today years old when I when I learned the way I learned the term tran- transmisia. Honestly, it also just it also just sounds what you're saying. I'm like, bitch, 
you got, but you, you, you got, you got the transmissia. They're like, what? You have the, <laughs> the transmissia. Not you got the transmissia. I like that. You got the transmissia. Oh, hell no. You Ooh, not you being transmissic, bitch. Not oh, you got the missia. No. Yeah, you, you got, got the, the transmissia. That's yeah. nasty. Like, the vote, the vote is the missia. I, I would use this from now on for sure because, I mean, one, because I obviously want accurate language to be used if missia is hatred of. I want to be clear that when people say they're transphobic or I'm selling, or I, no one says they are. If I say someone's transphobic, that I'm merely clear. Like, no, I, I don't. I mean, I, I'll say I do think I do think people are scared. I think I, I, I think people are scared. I think they're scared of one of the things that they don't know or understand. And I think I, I believe. It's tough to say this out loud. I believe that people believe that they are scared of mm. things they don't know, mm-hmm. and I believe that mm-hmm. they believe. That's fair that they are scared of things changing out of their control. And as a black, queer, Jewish, fat human being in this world, I'm like, bitch, you, you, you got to change. Like that change yeah. is happening around me. And like, I, like I either get, I either get with the change or I, or I get left behind. That's not what I'm trying to do in my life. So I hear, I, I, I can hold space for that, but I would definitely, I definitely will start using transmissia. One, because again, you, you got the Mizia girl, but also because it just like like it's, it's like, I want to be accurate of like no, you aren't you aren't fearful, you're hateful, and like that right. is actually there like is that, a- that, that, that that and that's that's a problem. Mm-hmm. One that is that is individual, but also part of a bigger problem, like a whole web of problems that we can identify. For mm-hmm. me, because if I say you're scared of it, then to the point the point earlier, it's, it's saying that oh, like like just you are scared, but no, like you are you are not the only hateful one. You are part of a group of hateful people and a system right, of people right so mm-hmm. anyways yeah that's those are my thoughts my feelings Alayami, how about you uh so hope giselle actually taught me about transmissia this year i had hope mm. on my show on olay and friends and we did an episode um like a queer olay and friends with nothing but um and and hope hipped us all so that was the first time i'd heard it and yeah i think that i think that's an excellent term i do think so i i don't know how much time we have but um to to get into started and how like masculinity and gender roles and all these different things um play so much of a role in what happens there but i i do think it's fair but i don't think it's fair of trans people i think it's fair i think it's one fair of what people think things say about themselves and i think fair based on fair of the existing binary that they don't want to admit right because if you when you hear when you hear trans uh, when you hear cis men complain and talk about trans women right they're they're innate mm-hmm. the hate the hate that you're hearing being expressed is a lot of their you know, or talking about trans women like they're trying to trick them or deceive them and it's all like so what you're what you're afraid of your problem here is that your own masculinity which is already a performance mm-hmm. is putting you under an incredible amount of stress so i want cis men to understand that's not an indictment of them mass i i'm recognizing masculinity and the construction of that role and the performance that that puts on you as a stressor as something that is hard on you but what they are really what they're afraid of is is that their own sense of masculinity will be challenged or their own sexuality or or that they won't be able to mm. affirm themselves in this particular way and they're scared of how the society at large will respond to them mm-hmm, and so they look at the mm-hmm. trans women as a threat to their masculinity so when you when you see it that way and then when yeah. you hear cis women talk about uh cis women express that kind of transphobia towards uh trans men they also talk about it from a perspective of danger and oh what they're gonna do to me mm. and that is really a reflection and actually indictment 
of men in the society that we live in that performance because the masculinity that construction that kind of hyper masculinity the violence and all these different things that our society very much so trains and stokes in men that has led to a rape culture a violent culture and danger and real lived dangerous yeah. experiences for women so what Ooh. you see mm. is cis mm-hmm. women unwilling to challenge that 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 gender role unwilling to ch- challenge that binary uh, that binary and that patriarchal system that they're growing in and they and so they can't call out what their rightful problem is what their what mm-hmm. their actual experiences is with men is with cis men in this larger structure that has created a danger between us and they go and they place it and challenge it on 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 trans men so yeah i think they're scared i just don't think they're scared of trans people i think they're scared of the way that they're not able to match up to patriarchy in the way that patriarchy endangers them and the existence of trans people shines a light on that yeah oh my you, you hit it Ooh. i was gonna say so Ooh. i i yes god i was but thing is so i'm sitting here because i had like all these things that i was gonna go through and you brought you you said something that hit me with two different points and so i want to make sure that i hit this so i think it's interesting because you know in these conversations about oh i don't want trans women you know when you hear people use trans uh, transmissy was it trans I can't worse tonight, y'all. Y'all got to work with me because I am tired. Transmisia. When we hear people <laughs> use that word, what they're initially saying is, well, you know, spe- specifically the hatred of trans women, and they use that when they're like, specifically like, I'm going to use the bathroom example, right? Well, I don't want a trans woman in my bathroom because in my mind, and I'm not saying I believe this, but I'm saying they think, well, there's a man in my bathroom and, th- and that might rape me. So what you're saying is that there's a problem with rape. <laughs> yes. So yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Your problem is rape culture. Yeah. You're, so what you're saying is, so you're not. So it's n- not really about the trans woman. It's about this idea that men can't be trusted. So let's exactly. have a conversation about why cis why men is. can't be trusted in a bathroom. Mm-hmm. If, if we really want right. to talk about it, let's talk about it, right? And so I think that, like as you were talking, I'm thinking to myself, and I'm going, everything does point back to to, to rape culture and how terrible cis men are, right? Okay, so let's talk yeah. about right. that. But I was also thinking, yeah. you know, I, when, when I when I saw this, right? Because I was when I was googling and I was putting this this, you know, help, trying to put the show together, I was really thinking to myself. I said, okay, how can we talk about how are you healing and talking about the unlearning process? And what I really think folks need to take from from this in particular conversation is that transphobia is real in the sense of there are a lot of people who live in like middle America who have never had an experience or an interaction with a trans person because they may know someone who's trans, but they're too afraid to come out and say, yes, I am trans. You know, I have a friend who lives in Alabama and their child just recently came out as trans and they've been literally texting me like every other week with like updates about what their their child is going through and it's so interesting because you can sense the fear and the, the discomfort would i call the the father transphobic no but what i would say is that there is a genuine fear that he has for his trans child and there are a lot of people who are mm-hmm. fearful of the interactions they're going to have because their mind is I've never interacted with the queer or a trans person. So yes, that's, that's where transphobia starts, but the trans transmedia starts with this notion of, okay, now I have this fear and now I'm going to implement laws or I'm going to hurt or I'm going to Mm -hmm. kill a trans person. Right. And so I think that that's the thing we have to really kind of like, as we're talking about this, this piece, we have to really start thinking about that transphobia does live because there are people who are genuinely scared and don't, don't know why they're scared. Because again, the world makes 
being trans such a mysterious thing when it really doesn't need to be. But the, yeah. the, the, the hatred piece, when we start thinking about folks actually hating trans people and putting things into, you know, you know the religious teachings and the laws and all of that, that's when we start and to I see think, it. And, go ahead. And I, and I think that's the problem is that they're connected. Is that fear they manifests are. into hate. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. And, and, and so much of, so much of what it, whether it, you look at it in any context of where there is a group or where there's hate or where there's opposition, right? Is that people, their people's ultimate problem is always that that group or those people, the existence of them or whatever they're talking about is going to eradicate this, but this belief system that I have, that this challenge is that. So what you mm-hmm. see, I think a lot of what happens is again, and I think this is about, I think there's a way to bring cis men in um, by recognizing the way masculinity and patriarchy is a structure that's imposed on them too, and that they are having a hard time. And I think we are all living in, we are living in the ecosystem of men having a hard time with the performance of masculinity. That's why you see the incel culture. That's why you see the red belt culture is a bunch of men that feel very, very, very frustrated and angry about the way that they cannot, they, they are not able to adequately perform, perform perform masculinity in the Mm -hmm. way that they have been told. That is the only way they could do it. It defines their manhood and and, and thus defines their desirability, their social standing and all of these different things. And so they feel very angered when um, um, that is challenged. And I think what happens too often is we don't get back far enough. The conversations are so bigoted that even when you try to peel them back each layer, it stops at a layer before, right? So even if you get them past the point where you're like, this isn't actually, your problem isn't actually with the trans community here. This is about rape culture. If you could even get them past saying, oh, okay, where's the rape culture? What is what is the cause of, of, of the rape culture, right? If you can get them past um, to saying, oh, patriarchy or miso- or masculinity or misogyny or any of these things. Can you get them to where they recognize that that is a system that is on us on us all? Not just that 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 cis men are struggling in that too. We, we got to get them back there. And I think that's why political education and advocacy to me is actually the root of what's going to free us and not the law. Because what we, and America is a, a prime example of this. America has a law for everything. This country, yeah. this country, I, my God, there's a law for every goddamn thing. And the problem with that is the law is about as good as how they apply it. You know what I mean? Like the law, mm-hmm. if they want to apply it, if they, they, it's not a matter. It's never, the problem is never that there aren't enough laws. The problem is never that they don't have enough laws. The problem is that the laws are there to be enforced against the marginalized people. So it's a mistake to look at the way the society is treating the marginalized people and then say, let's get more laws for that. They only going to apply them against the marginalized people. (laughs) Right? 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 So so we have to look outwards and talk to each other and change each other's opinions because it's only when we change our position that they're forced to not apply them in the same way. This is a country that in 2003 was still criminalizing gay men having sex with each other but in 2023 we think that's fucking nuts so they can't get away with that kind of legislation you know what i'm saying so it's not the matter that the laws aren't there it's that they are allowed they will always apply them for in however however much of a bigoted manner that we accept so because we still allow for a prison industrial complex where they could they could throw black men in jail in the droves and they have all the excuses in the world but why that's okay then they can still do it but what they can't do the things once we say yeah, you can't criminalize interracial marriage. Then they can't do that shit. You know what I mean? Now, mm-hmm. now people, now it's just no anti-miscegenation laws. But that's not because they don't want them there. It's not because they've gotten them all off the books. It's not because if they yeah. had an opportunity, they wouldn't implement them. So to me, it all starts with what we teach each other. It's shifting social consciousness, you know? I always say mm-hmm. to people, I could have been this intense and been a prosecutor. 
I could have been just as smart or blah, blah, blah. But all my efforts and my mm. my advocacy and intentions could have been put in the other direction. And they would have been put in the other direction if people didn't get to me. Because we're all raised in a society that trains us in the other direction. You know, Correct. I always knew I was going to be a lawyer. I didn't always know I was going to be this kind of lawyer. So if, mm. if I didn't get college teachers and professors and stuff that were like... Mm. Here's all these, the gateway drugs, the Angela Davis, the, the James Baldwin, all these yeah, different things. That, I would be me. right here like, uh-huh. close the jails? What you talking about? These, yeah, these would, criminals? Yeah, this would be a Chris Bleep This <laughs> podcast. If exactly. I want to say, like, literally, this would be a <laughs> podcast if I didn't have the, the teachers and the people in front of me exactly. saying, this is what you need to know to get free, girl. So, yes, please, Chris, beat that. <laughs> <laughs> we don't, we don't speak their name we here. don't want to say their name on this no girl school is in session today just going on the line of teachers y'all are teaching and preaching in these streets oh my god thank you for your ministry thank you for your university this was really just like oh my <laughs> god y'all are just who taking us everywhere before the final bell rings on the show we have to take one more break We'll be back with y'all's favorite segment. Yes, we're in the man Pam's more in just a sec. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Mother's Day is right around the corner. And in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where... A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle. And I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. 
This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, y'all. So I am going to breeze through my yes, ma'am, and my no, ma'am, pams this week. And I was going to say, I've been thinking about this, and I, I Joho, you're not in on this, but we're, I'm going to do it anyway, because that's just how we roll over here. So I was going to say, before I get into it this week, for listeners, for people who listen to the show, we usually do, as you know, last year we did like a wrap up of, of, of like we did a wrap and we did like, we just did all of the yes ma'am and the no ma'am pounds for the whole, but we would love to include you all in that. So we're going to do our last episode of the year. We want our listeners to send in their yes ma'ams and their no ma'am pounds, and then we can read them. How does that sound? Ooh, Isn't that I cool? Love. I was like, that's, that's, no, that's, really that's a cute cool. idea. Yeah, since that's we only have idea. like three more shows before the, the end of oh, the year. So y'all better submit them. Y'all better submit them. Yeah, don't, y'all got to submit them. Submit if you want to be, we, we know people email us, but at the same time, we would love we, to. We'll uh, email you back and say, girl, send it send in the YMPs and NMPs right now thank you yes God so send in your yes ma'am and your no ma'am pounds but before we get into that I just wanted to say that because we only have a few more shows left of this year and we would love to read those uh we would love to read yours on the air so with that being said I'll get into mine this week my yes ma'am this week very quickly Raquel was on the show Raquel Willis was on the show a couple of weeks ago um I wanted to shout her out and basically say not only should you go be reading her book because she did send her book over to me and I've started reading it and it's absolutely fantastic but i also wanted to uplift the life of laylene polanco um i don't know if any of you've been following her and the work that she's been doing around that but she wrote about it in the past when she worked for out and she is currently working on a podcast that will detail laylene's life a little bit more so what i so i wanted to uplift raquel willis and saying thank you for keeping the the the, the names of black trans women alive um and then also raquel i just wanted to uplift you again and saying thank you so much for all the work that you do um i know raquel is a listener of the show and so i just and i i just recently saw her and so all that to be said um i just wanted to make sure that i i used this in particular part again because we're celebrating black trans women to say raquel i love you and thank you for all that you're doing to keep uh black trans women's names alive um i also wanted to shout out a heartfelt congratulations to my girl carmen laurent um whose house of beauty uh, uh, who is the host of the show beauty translated for her third season that just got picked up she's on our sister network of outspoken um and so me and carmen are very very close we're actually going to be going to have lunch tomorrow while i'm here in atlanta um, and with that being said, Carmen, I also know you listen to the show and I wanted to shout you out as well and saying thank you for being such a beautiful trans woman in my life who's continuing to educate me about my own self and the work that I'm doing um, to help the community. So Carmen, love you, girl. I will see you tomorrow. <laughs> All that to be said, um, my no man, Pam, I, 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 I don't like, so you'll, you'll learn this about me. I try not to mention black women and speak poorly about them. So I'm going to speak about this person in their actions. I'm not going to talk about Kaya herself. Now I could, my no man Pam this week is Kaya. I could say a lot of mean things about Kaya, 
because Kaya is a very mean and nasty person. However, I don't like talking shit about Black women. That's just not what I do. My mom is a Black woman, and anytime I start to say something mean or I think about me, I go, "What would you, would you say that about your mom? No. Okay, so that's just how I am. So what I'm going to say is I am going to hold my tongue on commenting on that. But what I will say about her is that I, and this is not just her. I'm going to say this is a very general statement, but it's, it, it's in the vein of Kaya. So we all know who Kaya is. I don't know if any of you have been following Kaya, but she has said some really terrible things about Sexy Red in the last couple of weeks. Mm. Um, she has also said some really terrible things about T.S. Madison in the last few years, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and a whole bunch of other things that Kaya has mm-hmm. done. And all that to be saying is, it, I, my, my point is in me mentioning Kaya is I wanted to say my No Man Pam, and I also wanted to kind of like say something on that in the sense that that their heart is terrible. Their heart is nasty. Their heart is mm-hmm. is is really dark. And when you start to keep that, you keep perpetuating all of that, and you're like, I'm good, I got a good life, I'm, I'm very, very happy. If you were really that happy, girl, you wouldn't have to talk about other people. That's me. I, I am so tired. I have so much going on in my life right now that I don't really care about what anybody else on the other side of the internet is doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just don't care. Um, you know, there are people that I could talk cash it about and I can be really mean about because they've been mean to me. I don't care. I just don't have the time or the energy. And so I, I, I wanted to say, Kaya, not only do your actions suck, but I definitely think that you are fumbling your own bag because of jealousy and the dark heart that you carry. And you will never be happy because your soul is nasty. That is my no ma'am for this Ooh. week. Hypocrites are nasty people. And and let's also talk about that Hirsch song, My Neck, My Back, is very, very <laughs> Very, very vulgar. So for you to come and say that sex, do you do you get where I'm going? She herself is very vulgar, right? Yeah. So like, how incredibly you, vulgar. It doesn't make sense. Make it make sense. But I'm just saying, like, I, mean, I, I know, I know, everyone has She's said a hater. it. That's all it is. She's a hater. It's just, it just, I, I guess that's my no man Pam haters. People that's who just, say mm-hmm. and talk about people in a very nasty way, like, honey, you're never, nothing good will ever come to you by being nasty to other people. I just wanted to say mm-hmm. that on record. Ole, mm-hmm. what are your yes ma'am and your no ma'am pams for this week? My yes ma'ams, people? Uh, people are things? My yes ma'am. People ma'am. are things? Yes ma'am. yep. What is my yes ma'ams? Um, let's see, yes ma'ams. Meg Thee Stallion. I, I, oh, yes. I love me some Meg Thee Stallion, and she just came out with Cobra, which, and on her own label, on her own label, because remember, she's finally released yes. from all that nonsense. And so I love that for her, okay? I think Meg Thee Stallion is a prime example. Like, oh, don't get me started. The way Meg Thee Stallion <laughs> is treated and disrespected is such good, in and of itself just be a case study on the way like misogyny and sexism yeah. really operates. Yeah. Because if Meg the Stallion were a man, if Meg the Stallion were a black man in rap, whose father had been incarcerated and in passed, whose mother had been a rapper herself and helped train her up and been so vital in her career and then passed away with her grandmother, go on to still graduate school, graduate school, be a three-time Grammy award winner, rap the way she does, look the way she did. If that was a man, if that were a fucking man, oh my God, the way they would yep, talk about not her. Wrong. The way they you're would talk wrong. about her. Mm-hmm. Like the way she would be bigger than Tupac. She would be bigger than Tupac. Swear to God, she would be. Mm-hmm. Swear she to would God. Be than not, yep. 
not Kendrick, Kendrick, J. Cole, and Drake combined do not have a narrative as fucking compelling or intrinsic to, to hip-hop and blackness as what Meg the Stallion has. But all these hating ass niggas want to do is put her down. It is fucking crazy. So anyway, what I love to see and what I'm reminded of every time I see Meg is no matter how much people talk about her, no matter how much they do not want her to win, how much ostracizing and disrespect you see her receive intra-communally, whether it be from the black community or in the hip-hop community, they can't not change that bitch from being successful they cannot stop a bag or stop the win so i fucking love to see it so meg the stallion is my is my yes Mm ma'am yeah that's my yes ma'am and then my no ma'am uh let's see child um you know what i was thinking about i guess this is the haters you know i was thinking about um britney's you know what my no ma'am is the way that Jada, Pink- Jada Pinkett Smith has been um, treated in discourse, right? I was thinking about this too, because mm. so two things are true. Actually, let me start with Britney Spears. Let me start with saying, I think we all need to start talking about her desirability plays a lot in a lot of a role in the way that Britney Spears is treated and handled. Because someone put up a video that showed how Britney, Britney Spears dance moves back in her prime. It's the same the shit same she doing the living. The same fucking shit she doing the living. So what's different other than y'all don't find her cute no more? Let's keep let's keep it up that she has left. And and and, yeah. and what I think is interesting is Britney knows it too. I think they just don't give her because she's not going out of her way to present herself as an intellectual or a scholar. They don't they don't give it the same kind of critical lens they give it. But when Britney Spears talked about feeling the need to cut off her hair and change her hair because her hair was so is the way that they felt access to her, how they treated her, or they made her seem beautiful or made her seem, seem desirable while they were paying attention to her. She was like, that's why she wasn't trying to move her hair when she was dancing on um on her residency. And it's also why she cut off her hair. So I think Britney Spears herself has always recognized the way desirability had a lot to do with how she was she was perceived. And yeah. it is it's not lost upon me that her cutting off her hair is the beginning of them treating her like she's the craziest. Yeah. And now yeah. the way that they talk about her now has everything to do with how she is perceived. But in the flip side of that, as disrespected as she is in the lack of, in the way desirability is there is still a willingness there is a large movement of people that recognize that this is a woman who didn't get to live her truth and didn't get to to tell her own narrative and so they now support and celebrate her memoir dropping all kind of fucking tea all over the media in the same uh, which is what jada's memoir has a bunch of tea in it too but that's not even the kind of book it is but yeah, the way they've received the response to britney spears memoir good versus point. the response to jada's memoir is night and day and the amount of black celebrities and black men like rick ross and all of these people who don't fucking read and didn't fucking read the book uh jumping up to to, to shit on the book and say how they're not interested right which also let's talk about the way that people will try and downplay a black woman's uh importance or her celebrity or her ability to create content or engagement while also playing on it for their own benefit so that they could get a sound bite in the news right Uh so yeah so doing that uh to to jada jada pinkett smith i think that is my 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 no ma'am so yeah i'm gonna go ahead with that's that's my no ma'am the way the way the folk the the level of massage noir desirability politics motivating Mm. the different treatments of britney spears and jada pinkett i receive that i really i receive it i receive it Go off. I Obviously, wasn't even thinking like, about that. Like, no, honestly, that I genuinely, like, I, ser- I seriously, like, I it, honestly, I don't care about either one of them. <laughs> like, I love Britney, but I'm not going to sit down and read her entire book. I just oh, don't well. care. I love Britney. <laughs> I don't care. Jada, I love Jada and Will. What they, what they do, I love what they do. I, I again, I don't care. But <laughs> when, you, when you say it that way, it makes me go. Oh, it's the analysis for me. I it's get like, it. Thank you. I, I, I get was, it. That was 
That uh-huh. was the best analysis I've ever I've ever heard or seen on a no man Pam. That was yeah, just like you. Chef's kiss, top tier perfection. Yeah, like it was. Damn. I'm like, like you got me thinking. I cause mm-hmm. I too am like, okay, Brittany, whatever. Like the game, and the gaze was the gaze was game when when the book came out, and I was like, I don't and get they still- because <laughs> that's what they don't do. But like, but you know, so thank you. Thank you. Damn. Yeah, I'm like, I'm, a, I'm about to go give me Jane's book now and be like, yeah, let's, let's, Thank you. Let's I'm glad. Oh, Ooh. oh, that was my last point I wanted to make and how the, the media frames thing. Jada, they keep flaming, again, how the media controls narratives. They keep framing, framing the girl's book as a flop because they want it to be, but it was an, it debuted as a, a New York Times bestseller or number three yeah. on it. So I just wanted to say that for you, Jada, girl. If oh. you ever heard this, I'm taping. Honestly, we've been on the Red Table Talk. We've been on th- their show. And we also have, Ooh. like, there are a lot of people that are connected to our show that are connected to Westbrook. So we are very much fans. Like I said, I, I have said openly and honestly, I have said, I don't necessarily care about anybody airing out any of their business. It doesn't matter. Brittany, Jada, if even if my husband got on, but why? Like, why are you telling people all of our business? We don't need, nobody cares. We all got all shit to deal with. But I'm just saying, like, I I, I never really thought about the, the way that race and the way that the, the womanness piece of it. Even Massage Noir, I never really thought about that in the narrative between Jada and Brittany. And so I'm, it's going to make me more intentional and very cautious about how I talk about each one of those things. Yeah. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. Thank yeah. you. Mm-hmm. My Yes, Pam, Pam, and No, Pam, Pams are a little bit less intellectual, y'all. My Yes, Pam, Pam <laughs> is just to the question that uh, that the orange man got today in uh, his trial. Um, for those who don't know, our ex-president is on trial today. Um Oh my gosh! Uh, for the, like, it's like it's like. I mean, I really forgot what he's in trial for, but he's in trial for 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 some things. Um, <laughs> ninety-one <but> things. <laughs> the ninety-one things. But what was funny was that on the stand, he was asked about his involvement in a twenty twenty-one statement of financial condition of his business, and his response was that his focus at the time was on China and Russia and keeping the country safe. Now. It's funny because the attorney then, then the, the attorney then says, "Sir, you weren't present in 2021." So I'm like, "How you go? How you gonna be asked a question about 2021, and then say I was I was too worried about about the country, and then be reminded that you weren't present at that point? So oh. like now you just look dumb, and like I'm I'm just I'm here for anything making him look dumb because it's the SPM Pam for that for me. Um, my no ma'am Pam. <laughs> But no man, Pam, is to folks who out people for who they are, because mm. it's a horrible yeah. act that harms people and can lead, and then can lead to their self harm and or death. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about the mayor, the mayor in Alabama, who mm-hmm. um, apparently died by suicide. I, I I'm, I'm not sure if it's fully if it's fully been confirmed yet, but person who was outed and then has subsequently died mm-hmm. um it is like really hard to not see a correlation between the two mm-hmm. um and so just like for folks who believe that outing somebody is like whether you think it's your moral high ground whether, whether you, th- you think it's the right, right thing to do it's not whether like, like like whether you want to do it for revenge like when you are playing with someone's life in that way you have to understand that you are not like you are responsible for, for you are responsible for part of the outcome of what happens next. Yeah, and so I hope that the I hope that I hope that I hope that the news channel that the news station that um, published it, that the writer who that the writer who pu- pu- 
publish it that there can be some accountability for them yeah. um, because it really is horrible to to know that people really get make a living off the pain of others in this way. Yeah. Um, and that's just really horrible. So no man Pam to those who to that in particular, but also to those who believe that adding somebody is the best course of action for anything. It's not, yeah. I even as much as I wanted it, to comment on it, I Yeah. I backed like, up from it, it, it yeah. Like even my worst enemy, I would not mm-hmm. out. Like no, even a person I. that I like is not is not my journey, not my ministry, not 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 for me to do that. So yeah, it's none of my business. Oof, yeah, yeah. No, I feel you. Whew. Well, you know, honey, this has been this episode. I was I want to say it's been heavy, but it's it's not heavy. I think it's all important, and I think every like both of you have said so many things this episode that are extremely important for all of us to be thinking about and even ending on this note about not outing people. I think it's really important right now to just really give people the space to be who they are. And especially, you know, again, kind of going back to what the whole theme of this episode is, right. We're talking about, you know, trans, trans black, you know, black trans women, trans women as a whole, really this notion of, of celebrating people and letting people just kind of be like giving people the space to just be. So I really appreciate that both of you have brought that up. So with that being said, again, everybody, please send us your yes, ma'ams and your no, ma'am, pams. We would love to read them on our end of the year episode coming up in the next couple of weeks. With that being said, also, please send us your thoughts, your feedback, and your email to blackfatfempod at gmail.com. You can also use social media. A lot of you love sending us messages in the DMs, and we love getting them. You can do that via Instagram and Twitter by using the handle at blackfatfempod. Ole, where can the dolls find you? Okay, on all social medias, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, threads, blue skies, <laughs> spills. Monkey <laughs> doodle. Yeah, there's so many right. socials now. <laughs> At so. Miss Olurin, that's M-S-O-L-U-R-I-N. And you should subscribe to my YouTube channel, my show, Olurinati, on, on YouTube. Yes. I love to see it. Queen Joho, where can the dolls find you? Of course you're gonna find of course you're gonna find me subscribing to her channels. <laughs> then you, you can find me at Joe Dales across social medias. And if not though, you'll find me diving into every pot of soup I see because soup season is upon us and I am ready. Chicken noodle soup, mushroom soup, tom yum, udon, egg drop soup, you name it. Give me all the soups, my body you is ready to inhale. It. You name it. <laughs> Give me I'm ready to inhale, I'm ready to digest. I'm ready to just feel like like a soupy ass bitch. Like that's what that's that's that, that's what the that's the last I'm going for this week. So just and any pot of soup you find, you see, you'll find me in there drinking it down. I love it. Egg drop is my thing. I I don't like the uh, hot one. There's another one. There's like an yeah, egg drop. I, I'm There's not like that hot and sour soup, soup but an egg drop soup, but baby. Egg drop soup is where it's at. A warm wonton, baby. A warm wonton. See me. Let me fucking know. See okay. Me. Combination. Combination. Yes, the pork beef and the shrimps. The scrimps but in there. You girl. put a little bit of salt and pepper at the top and watch the little. And then little crispy wontons that go on top of it with little Ooh. dumplings. Yes, God, that's Oh, I love to see it. Talking, I'm. It's almost eleven o'clock, and I am so hungry. Um, but with that being said, for me, you can find me in therapy, healing my inner child. That is where you are going to be finding me. I just started therapy, and this is what like week three or week four, and my therapist is dragging me. Congratulations for starting so, therapy. Well. Yes, I am. I'm very much in this mind of I, you will find me in therapy, getting my shit together. But with that also being said, you can find me at Dr. John Paul on socials at, and you can also go to my website at www.drjohnpaul.com. You can also find me on 
the main socials of Forbes, honey, 6.7 million. I just want to throw that out there. So if you want to go down to the Forbes, where you want to go down to the Forbes, the Instagrams and all of that, that's good. That's where I'm going to be. But anyway, all that to be said, we want to thank our super executive producer, Rebecca Ramos and Bay Wang for handling our logistics and our supervising producer, Anna Hossian, everyone over at iHeartMedia for keeping the show up and running. We love you and we thank you for all of your support. We also want to shout out our wonderful editor and engineer, Chris Rogers, because without him, there would be no flavor in your ear. This has been another show. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Stay black, fat, fem, and fabulous. And remember, trans is and will always be beautiful. I love us okay. for real. I will see you all next week. Bye. Bye. Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection, obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit tomboyx.com. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.